another episode of Shift the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I'm doing great. The sun is shining. <laughs> the sun's finally shining here after like a week of like overcast and just crippling cold. We're in the Northeast, and that's pretty normal this time of year, but it doesn't mean it doesn't suck. I know. It looked pretty cold. I saw in the news uh, today, they were showing clips of New York and all I saw was like all the streets were like white and I was like, oh, I'm glad I don't live there. It actually isn't that bad. Like we didn't get that much snow. It's just cold. Like a lot of the white is just all the salt that you put on the ground in case there's snow because mm-hmm. it gets so cold here, it snows, it'll melt and then at night the water will freeze over and then you have basically a gigantic ice skating rink going on for miles. Well, look at that. We just got a weather report and an explanation almanac. Almanac explanation of New a York. Bust weather. your ass explanation. That's what that is. Oh my gosh. You're I busting live... your ass almanac. That's what it is. The I bust live... your ass almanac. That's what it is this time of year. It is. I lived in Omaha, Nebraska for two years and it snows a lot and gets freaking freezing there. And I swear, I can tell you how many times I slipped on black ice trying to go uphill on the parking lot. I, I live at the top of the hill. So to get anywhere, I have to go downhill. And it, it's a, this time of year, it's an adventure. Especially, I, I used to have to go to school. Uh, when I used to have to go to high school, I was with my aunt for a little bit in Jersey. So I'd travel like two hours to get to high school, which sucked. And during the winter, we lived at the top of the hill. So you'd have to get down the hill at like 5.30 in the morning, which was an experience. I'm sure that it was. One that I'm glad I didn't have to have, and I'm glad that I'm here, and it doesn't get that cold. Oh, I'd rather be here than down south where you grew up. It's hot, like the insects the size of my head. Not your head, my head, my Down syndrome size head, like my head. Oh my gosh, you just offended the entire (laughs) You know how many times I've been told, I swear we'll get to the top, you know how many times I've been told that in my life? That, like, I have, like, a Down syndrome head. I might have to cut this. <laughs> okay, let's get to the topic. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Let's... <laughs> this is good. This is good. We haven't laughed in a while. This is really good. This is really good. Really, really good. Okay, so what I'm... What <laughs> What's I'm our giving... topic for today? <laughs> what our topic is for today is our... Is it the... Third installment of friendship, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, if we promise, we're we're done milking this cow. This is going to be the last one. Hey, friendship is different in different ages of our life, so this is good. I think it's great that we're being able to break that that we are able to break this down. All right, so we talked already about you know friendship in little kiddos, and then we talked about the teen sort of middle school, young adult, kind of, sort of. And now we're going to talk about the adult. Wait, we are? That was not supposed to be the topic, but I guess that's what we're doing today. Wait, what was the topic? No, we're doing that now. We're doing that now. Screw it. I was going to make a joke that we're going to skip the adult. We're going to skip adults because basically friendship between adult autistics basically amounts of seeing each other once a year and just sending memes. Oh my gosh. It's going to be a short episode, folks. That is exactly right. So, okay, let me clarify. (laughs) You're so correct. We're going to talk about... we're going to talk about adult friendships. Like, congratulations. Now y'all are getting a fourth installment because we had something else to talk about. So you can blame Uh, Stacey for this one. That's it. All right. Okay. Adult friendships. So what did you say? It's pretty much once a year and you send memes and that's it? Yeah, you you see each other once a year and you communicate via memes. That's that's pretty much adult friendships. There we go. That's it. That's it. Okay, so we're done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. We're that's done. why. <laughs> I was about to do that too. On a serious <laughs> note, I do want to talk about that, and then I also wanted to discuss um, how friendships in general for all yeah. ages can look different. Yes. Which, uh, we're probably going to do now in one episode, so yes. we can pad this runtime a little bit. And because I really don't want to do a fourth episode, I think three is enough. No, I um, agree. But let's, you do bring up the point. Let's start with how it can look different among, we covered like kids, adolescents, and young adults, how it looks different amongst like older adults. And by that, I mean like 25 and up, maybe like Mm -hmm. 20 and up. That's Mm -hmm. what we mean. Because once you get up to a certain amount, you're dealing with people who are probably undiagnosed. So that's that's a whole different kettle of fish that is a whole different series in and of itself. So we're talking about like, 20s maybe early 30s so people like my age 
Yeah. And the, the good thing is, is that I think, of course, because you're autistic and I am not, we each have a different perspective. Um, and your insight, of course, is going to be really helpful. Uh, so do you want me to start or do you want to start? You might as well start because all I'm going to have for the rest of this episode is just jokes <laughs> and sarcasm. I'm just being honest. Okay. Well, I was thinking when I was walking today, I was thinking about our topic and about the friendship and, you know, sort of thinking about my relationship or my, the dynamic between the friendships I have with my autistic friends and the friendships I have with my non-autistic friends. And initially I was going to think, talk about well, you know, I make adjustments because, you know, some of my autistic friends don't like greetings. So I don't even say a greeting because I love to do morning greetings. And then some of my autistic friends don't like to talk. So we just text. And then it was like, you know what? I actually make adjustments for my non-autistic friends as well. And so thinking in terms of the communication style, I have friends that never like to talk on the phone. They're not autistic. They just are not phone people. I have a child, a son, who is not a phone person. So I've always had to communicate with him in a different way that works for him, right? I have friends that never answer the phone. And then I have those friends, and I have to say, love them dearly, but it's quite annoying. But because I know their patterns, I know what to do. People that never respond to a text message or it takes them two or three days, right? So those are the people that I know not to call in an emergency. Those are the people that if I have a question that I need to be answered, I know it's going to take at least three days for them to respond. So I try to proactively ask a question without a sense of urgency. So I'm saying this to say those of us who are listening, those of you who are listening who are not autistic, we're talking about inclusion all the time. We do do a lot of those things. It's sort of similar to how I say we all use visual supports, right? It's just it looks different for autistic individuals in terms of what they need visually compared to maybe someone who's not autistic. Um, but if you are truly having friendships with people in general, you should, there's a give and take, right? There's a give and take and the give and take should be based on the individual. So for today, since we're talking about having friendships with autistic individuals, that is one of the things that I have had to make the most adaptions consciously about in terms of how I communicate. So would you be okay if I just shared like one or two examples? Yeah. Okay. So one example you is- You don't need my permission <laughs> to talk on a podcast you co-host. <laughs> because I want to hear what you have to say. So, so thinking in terms of when I think about I'm going to have a conversation or a communication exchange with a friend of mine who is autistic, right? There are different ways that I word the text to make sure that it's concrete. I make sure that there are no nuances, right? Like I may say something like, uh, oh my gosh, what do you call those things that are not, they're not a simile. Oh, I can't think of the name of it, but an I try analogy? To, an analogy. I try to be very concrete, right? Because I'll tell you, now I have to tell the story of why I started doing this. I have a friend who I just appreciate dearly. She is an autistic woman. She's younger than me. So she initially was kind of like doing a lot of like, if I got on Facebook, apparently she would see who got on Facebook and she would immediately message me. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to talk right oh, now. Oh, I used to do that too. <laughs> you, you learn to stop doing that once enough people get mad at you. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm trying to like be your friend, but gosh, she keeps like messaging me. And then I thought, Stacy. What do you know about autistic individuals? And I said, so th because this is what I would do. I would say, oh, I'm in a homeschool session. Can't talk now. Well, then she would message me like 20 minutes later. I'm like, God, did I not just tell her I was in a homeschool session? And then I'm like, Stacy, you were not specific. So then there was another example where I said, oh, I can talk tomorrow afternoon. Well, as soon as 12.05 hit, she messaged me, right? Because afternoon is afternoon, the literal afternoon. So then I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe she's messaging me. So then I was like, Stacy, you have to be more specific. So then I started communicating, I'm available between three and four in the afternoon, knowing 
she was going to call me at three o'clock. Like she was going to call me at three o'clock. So I learned how to respond to her based on how she interpreted my messages, right? I realized I wasn't being detailed enough. I wasn't being concrete and specific enough, right? I was kind of leaving a gray area out there. So that's one thing that I learned. The other thing is the greeting that I mentioned. I am a good morning, don't know why. Now I don't do that in my household, but I love to text good morning with the sunshine to those people that I care about. So I remember getting feedback from an autistic individual and they said, can you stop greeting me? It's such a waste of time. I was like, okay, fine, no more greetings. So now I've generalized it and I literally don't greet any of my autistic friends because apparently it's a waste of time and I've umbrellaed all of my autistic folks under no greetings. The, the right? only time I could, the only thing I could think of is I want to say this is when we were soldiers. I could be wrong. It's some war movie um, where one of the characters greets this like old grizzled veteran. It's like, good morning. He goes, how do you know what sort of goddamn day it is? It's one of those things. That is so true. The last point that I want to share as an example is when I do parent coaching, I have some parents who are also autistic, right? So, uh, and my students that I work with, I have to adapt my verbal communication for each of those individuals. Now, I used to do it more with you, Torin, but I, I find that I get really lazy because I'm a, like you and I just have this thing where we can like flow, right? But, um, cause I can, I tend to speak very quickly sometimes. I tend to throw out a lot of ideas at one time and I, I can see the look on the faces, right? So when I first meet an autistic parent or an autistic kiddo, I have to do trial and error. And I watch their body language and nuances to figure out, okay, that was too long of a sentence before they could process. So I need to taper off and do smaller chunks, or I need to change my tone or my volume. Um, I actually have a kiddo that if I get excited, like, oh, my God, she did such a good job. That is alarming to them. So I've had to train myself not to express excitement because you know what they tell me? Okay, take a deep breath and calm down. I'm like, oh, okay, which they've been taught. They've been taught. That's what they've been taught. Whoever, first so, of all, whoever taught them that, shouldn't, I, I'm sorry, I'm off, should not have taught, taught them that. I okay. agree. No, I nothing, agree. No, no, nothing pisses somebody off more, especially if they're excited, than to tell them to calm down. So that's a bad job by whoever yes. taught them that. I agree. We're actually up talking with mom trying to get that rectified. Yeah. Because making friends as she gets older, people are going to misinterpret it and just walk away and not want to hang around and be excited with her because there's no need for me to calm down. I'm excited that you did something well, right? It's appropriate. Like that would be a appropriate excitement. Okay, so those are my three things. My three things that I can say from my perspective as a non-autistic person who wants to maintain relationships with some of the autistic folks that I've met, what I have to do to accommodate, to adjust and this is what I talk about in regards to shifting the narrative. It's not about making the, the person adjust, right? Just the person that's disabled. The other people um, have to make adjustments. And that is how we get that acceptance, inclusive sort of whatever, you know, whatever word we're looking for. I can't find the word, but you know what I'm saying. No, I, I, I know exactly that. what you mean. I used to have the same issue with the uh, hitting people up as soon as they, they went online. and. For a long time, I didn't realize how annoying it was because people generally don't tell you until I had a couple friends inform me how annoying it was. But mm -hmm. like, that the, they weren't as patient as you. So they were just like, yeah, stop doing this. It's really annoying. Now, because I'm me, my reaction mm -hmm. was, well, then f*** you then. I'm just not going to hit you up at all. And then they get mad at me after like three weeks. Like, why haven't we heard from you? It's like, because you were bitching at me for hitting you up too much. I'm not doing that thing where I, then I have to find the appropriate amount of hitting you up and do trial and error. I'm not doing that. Like, you yelled at me once. Like, either tell me when you want to be hit up or I'm not mm -hmm. going to do it at all because I don't have... Like, it annoyed me. And it annoyed me because, like, the times I would do it would be mm -hmm. times... I was very busy because I was in school and working. So it was in between that break. So I felt offended because mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm taking... What little free time I have to check in on my friends and you're yelling at me. 
Yeah. So fine, I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> Screw mm-hmm. you guys. You know. And then they're like, well, you're never too busy to text. It's like, I, I was. And you yelled at me for it. So you're definitely more patient than me. I guess that's another thing is uh, patience is kind of important because I can't be the only person who's going to have that reaction. I guarantee you I'm not the only person who's going to have that reaction. You know, I was watching a show um, uh, or previewing a show to see if I liked it. I ended up not being engaged in it, but it was called I'm a Stalker, right? And I was like, ooh, what is that about? I want to watch that. So the first guy that came on to do his story he started talking and he says, yeah, I am in jail for um, uh, something he said about in legal terms, like inappropriate contact, unwanted contact, right? And so he said, apparently the contact was unwanted and I didn't realize it. And I swear, first when he started talking, I thought, huh, I wonder if he's neurodivergent. Then when he started saying what he was saying, I was like, huh, I think he's neurodivergent. And then later he talked about his childhood and said, he was diagnosed with PDD and had social communication challenges when he was a kid. And I was like, up, oh, here we go. So it's an example of a not an autistic individual not diagnosed. And of course, because of his age, there were no supports at that time. Yeah. Now he's in jail for eight years because he was unwantingly <laughs> contacting his ex, right? Um, And I say that all the time with young adults who are autistic, that tendency to appear to be a stalker, right? Like, I like her, she should like me. Why isn't she responding? Why isn't she responding? So they keep texting, keep texting, keep texting. And yeah, that happens. So my favorite thing that I had, I had issues with is, oh God, it's going to get me canceled. It's going to get us canceled. So I just want to apologize ahead of time to to, to Stacey for possibly getting the podcast canceled. what my issue I found is a lot of chicks, especially when you're a large black man, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's in person, they won't tell you they're being creeped out. They'll look like, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the the they'll just sort of go along with it, mm-hmm. and then like they'll be like, yeah, yeah, we can hang out later, even though they're like, oh God, please don't contact me. But like they don't say that, so you have to yeah. you have to be able to read body language when you're a young autistic man. You can't. So if you keep doing it and then they talk to other people and then other and then those other people are then coming at you. So yeah. I, I had I, I definitely had some uh issues with that for sure. Obviously I didn't get in any trouble or anything, but yeah. It, yeah. It, it it did definitely cause some issues because some of my behavior is I wouldn't quite say stalky, like I wouldn't go that far, but I definitely was clingy. Clingy for sure. And that was mm-hmm. with everybody too, which one of the things that confused me because I was like I'm like that with my male friends too, which annoyed them too. But like, obviously dudes are a little, they're annoyed by it, but they don't have the same like sense of I'm in danger for obvious gotcha. reasons. Yeah. So yeah, you can get course. away with being clingy with dudes. It's just going to annoy them. Yeah. If you're clingy with chicks, especially as a large black man, that yes. could be bad for you. That could yes. be very bad because they're not going to tell you. They're just going to tell the cops or they're going to tell the people who are going to tell the cops and then mm-hmm. they don't care. They just see a large black man. So I definitely did have some issues with that. Um, and there were, there were definitely some social cues I had to learn in college and throughout college. And a lot of stuff in my 20s that I'm not particularly proud of. But once again, nothing bad, but a lot of like embarrassing stuff, a lot of stuff that like, there was no way I could have known better coming mm-hmm. from my background, being yeah. raised by a single father who was on the spectrum and spending mm-hmm. K through age 18 in special ed around yeah. other autistic kids. So it was just certain things I was just not going to learn until I went to college, until I yes. like spent a decade around non-autistic people, which I hadn't done my whole life. Yeah. But it was still a lot of embarrassing things, mostly social things. Like I said, I had issues being clingy with people. Um, I would say things that were that like, I would speak the truth, which mm-hmm. is a problem because like I can be very blunt. Mm-hmm. And I'm also kind of like deep down, I am honest to God, kind of a shitty person. So like my opinions tend to be kind of shitty. So I would say those things. I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to say that out loud. And this was also obviously, as and I've talked about this, was made worse by like a crippling alcohol addiction I had at the exact same time. So all of this made it so... Uh, I was I I I'm lucky. I still have the friends I have who kind of stuck by me throughout all of this. And I have mm-hmm. a lot of friends who 
were fed up with me. And I had a lot of friends who were the result of what happens when you don't have your shit together. You end uh, up with a lot of shithead friends. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I dealt with all of that. And that makes sense. And, you know, Torin, just to let you know that all of us, or most of us, have things that we've done in our 20s that we're ashamed of. So I'm just so glad we didn't have cell phones with videos when I was in my 20s because I had fun in my 20s in college. And I'm not sharing any of my stories with anybody for anyone to document but at least at least most of my drunk stories in college were funny like i will say most of them were funny like i I should say that like from outside perspective Mm -hmm. most of these are just like dumb college students doing drunk dumb college student stuff like it there was nothing really bad but there were some things like as someone who doesn't want to seem too autistic because Mm -hmm. I, I hate to keep bringing this up, but like as a large black man, seeming a mm-hmm. little bit too weird could yes. be uh, bad for your health. If you understand gotcha. what I mean, mm-hmm. there are definitely some stuff I was ashamed of. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions um, and hopefully I can remember the second one after I asked the first one. My first question is from your autistic lens, your autistic perspective, do you think just based on the circles of folks that you know between your social media engagement and just folks that you know do autistic individuals prefer to be friends with other neurodivergent individuals or do they prefer like is there a i guess my question is is there a preference does it not matter i really don't think it matters i think it depends on the person um here's what i've noticed I'm about to say, once again, this seems to be the episode where I say a bunch of stuff I shouldn't. Um, I kind of don't like talking to other autistic individuals. It really depends. Like, Mm -hmm. my two best friends are both on the spectrum. I've known them since high school, and they're awesome people. Mm -hmm. But, like, a lot of people on the spectrum, I just don't have a lot of patience for. And that's mostly a me problem, because Mm -hmm. of my upbringing, I had to go through things that mm-hmm. required me to do things and to be in uncomfortable situations that a lot of autistic people like complain about and act like it's the worst thing in the world. Gotcha. So I, I just don't, I, I see them as soft. I'm just, I'm just mm-hmm. going to be honest. I see a lot of autistic people I meet as just being soft mm-hmm. because I, I was on the spectrum. I've read my IEP. I had all these issues and I still had to get stuff done. I still had to grow up faster than I wanted to because I had no other choice because of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. So I tend to lack a little empathy, which mm-hmm. is once again a me problem. Yeah. For some of these individuals. Um also a lot also a lot of it if they don't have because autistic people tend to have certain interests, just like I do, mm-hmm. and we're really into those interests. If our interests don't align, what you get is you get two people who have really strong interests that don't give a shit about the other's interests. Mm-hmm. So it really does depend for me personally. What I have noticed is a lot of autistic people who are diagnosed later in life, which makes sense, that this makes sense for them, they seek out other autistic individuals mm-hmm. because like they didn't grow up immersed in it. Mm-hmm. Like I like I said, because I was in school from the time I was spe- I was in special ed from the time I was in, in preschool, the time I graduated high school, I've spent enough time around autistics for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I've had the whole autistic experience from like mm-hmm. every think of every stereotype you can think of. I saw, got it. So that also colors my opinion. But mm-hmm. when you get someone who didn't grow up around other autistic people, who mm-hmm. maybe just got diagnosed in the last mm-hmm. few years, they may be seeking those people out because their whole lives they've been around people who don't understand them and who they don't quite understand. Gotcha. So they might prefer that. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know, and, and hopefully I don't bring us too far off topic, but the reason I thought about that question is because when I think about, um, if I think about the LGBT community, right. Um, a lot of times, uh, for me personally, this is just for me personally, I remember the, there's something to be said about having events that are just with my LGBT friends and their families and having events with other couples that are not LGBT. And I LGBTQ, I mean, I know there's tons of letters I'm leaving out and I do apologize, but 
I, I, for me, just like as a mom, right? Like as a mom, when I became a mom, hanging out with other moms was easier than hanging out with women who were not moms because there was a commonality. And not so much that, oh gosh, now I'm rambling, I'm taking off topic. The reason I asked the question was because I was asking in terms of, is it more comfortable to be with other neurodivergent folks who understand the nuances? However, however, what I heard you say is what we talked about in the last two podcasts. People become friends with people who have the same interest. Like that's who you become friends with. And I think that's really what is the common sort of um, message in each episode about friendship is whether your children develop friends, whether your teens develop friends, whether they don't have friends, whether you're an adult that's autistic and you don't have friends, you just haven't found the people who have the same interests as you do. And you also haven't found the people who can put up with your crap because true friends are people who accept you for who you are all the crappy stuff that you do and they still love you and support you because of whatever that common bound is, right? I mean, that's a true friend. Like a true friend is the person that doesn't matter what you do, they have your back. They are like, okay. Um, I mean, when I think of my my best friend of 30 plus years, I mean, I don't even know how I would have gotten through life without her, right? Like that has been the foundation of stability through all of my adult relationships, that one person has been there through thick and thin, right? And that is a true friendship. Um, and I'm gonna stop and go back to the autistic perspective. Well, did you remember your second question? I did. My second question So is, ask it now before you forget again. Okay, my second question is, because a lot of people think that autistic individuals don't want friends. They don't want to be around people. They don't want to have connections, right? Um, so what is your perspective based on, like, I think I know what you're going to say, but just knowing several and, and reading and, and, and watching on social media, other autistic folks, what is that really about? Is it that you know, they really want to have adult friendships, but it's hard to find um, someone who can understand you, especially if you're not in an area where there are lots of autistic folks you have access to. I don't know. Like, what is that? Is it true? Is it not true? Like, I don't know. I think it depends on the individual. Mm -hmm. uh, I know people who I went to school with who legitimately just were not social. They didn't want to mm -hmm. be bothered. Mm -hmm. And I knew people who did want friendship, but just struggled. Once again, my perspective, the problem with the autism perspective is it's so varied. So yeah. my perspective is of someone who's around nothing but the autistic kids. So mm -hmm. if you wanted friends, you generally found them because there was no shortage of people just as weird as you are, especially growing up. But even after, even after that, like, I never had issues finding friends after about when I was younger, I did. I was very lonely when I was younger, but part of that was I was in schools that weren't catered to my needs. Yeah, and course. for a large amount, I wasn't in school at all. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I was always switched to homeschooling. I was homeschooling. I was intensely lonely and in a very abusive environment. So I was pulling from from personal experience. Mm -hmm. But after about high school, I didn't have any friends up to high school. After mm -hmm. high school, I never really had trouble making friends. Not because I'm super social, but because, like I said, I'm incredibly clingy. Gotcha. So if I choose you, you don't have a choice. I'm like that's herpes. Why, you're stuck with me. That's why you and I have just bonded so much. Because I remember thinking, oh, now he's stuck with me forever. I'm never going to stop why, him why, why, why do I keep getting this cold sore? It just keeps coming back. I don't know why. <laughs> so see, it's a perfect relationship. I like it where it's hot. You like it where it's cold. We both are clingy to our friends. I do remember, though, when we first started um, communicating I thought, oh my gosh, Stacey, you're being so clingy. You're being so needy. Like you're stalking him. Stop. Don't message him anymore. Like I was just like, because I really wanted to, I wanted to first have you speak to my parents. But then after we had that, that event where you spoke to my parents, I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to talk to him all the time. I didn't know this because I, I generally don't mind that because I like talking to people, especially online. Mm -hmm. So like, I didn't notice at all. 
not, not that I didn't notice you messaging me. Obviously, I always answer and stuff like that. But I really don't mind that personally because, like, I like messaging people and stuff. <laughs> so it's hard to message me so much that it annoys me. The yeah. only way that happens is the stuff you're messaging me with is annoying. Like, gotcha. I find stuff, like, you're talking about stuff I don't care about. Mm. Or, and this is actually a problem, you have some uh, political views that I vehemently disagree with. I had one person who I'm not really friends with, but an acquaintance with, who would just casually just say really abhorrently racist stuff Mm -hmm. about black people and would hit me up. And she'd be like, well, why are black people all criminals? You're black, Thorne, because she's on the spectrum. Gotcha. So that got on my nerves a little bit, understandably. Just a little bit, just a little bit. I've actually had, and this is for another episode, I've actually had, I've known quite a few just objectively racist, like white supremacist, autistic huh. people that mm-hmm. more more than like someone who was born and raised in like New York City should know. <laughs> because yeah. it's not like I was raised in like Alabama or something like that, yes. where they're just all over the place. Like I shouldn't know this many white supremacists, but <laughs> that's a story for another day. I, I generally don't get annoyed by that. So I didn't I, I didn't find that to be an issue really. Well, I the, do... the, the greetings do annoy me. I'm not even going to lie. Like, because you used to be like, good morning. And obviously, I'm not going to say anything because that's a dick move. But yeah. like, they definitely annoy me. So I'm just like, eh. like, because like, like your friends, I find uh, morning greetings, unless mm-hmm. like there's a reason for it. Like the night before I say, oh, I'm, oh, I drank too much. I am really sick. So like, hey, how are you this morning? Like that I understand because there's something out of the ordinary warranting Mm -hmm. checking in on somebody that morning. Oh, that makes sense. Yes, but if it's just like a normal good morning, like like, it's not something where I would ever, like where I'd ever say like, don't do this because it's annoying. Mm -hmm. But like, I found it kind of annoying, but like not enough saying anything because I understand that was you checking in on me and that was you uh, showing that you cared. Gotcha. So I wasn't going to bite that hand because I understood the intention was good. And like I said, it wasn't so annoying that it like derailed my entire day or something. I feel like a lot of autistic people uh, haven't developed that skill mm-hmm. of, and I've had to because I'm such a dick by nature. <laughs> and I'm just being honest. I am every bit my father. So because I'm so abrasive by nature, I've really had to like sand off the pointy edges but one of the benefits is it does allow me to empathize and mm-hmm. understand people a little bit more than maybe some more autistic people can. So I guess there's a give and take to that. I love the way you said that. I needed to sand off some of the rough edges. I think I might actually send that to my son. He's a little abrasive. He might need to sand off some of those edges. Yeah, so- and, so, and, and some people will say, well, that's not a good thing. No, I want to do that because those pointy edges sometimes push people away. Mm-hmm. I don't want mm-hmm. to be pushed away. Like other people have feelings too. And you're, yeah. if you give a, if you care about someone, like yeah. if you give a damn, you should be trying your best to, it's a give and take. Obviously you, you shouldn't be doing all the work, yeah. but you should be trying to like not be a prick. Like it's just like that, that, that that's the least you can do. And that's something that took me, <laughs> I wouldn't say it took me too long to learn. I understood that early on. It just took me, It's and still taking me. I don't want to say that I've learned it, but it took me most of my 20s to really work on a lot of those tendencies. It didn't help once again. I was in a very dark headspace for most of my 20s. So that mm-hmm. obviously anybody who's not doing well mentally might be more prone to just being unpleasant to be around. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you know, I think that it's a really good point in terms of, that's what friendship is. Friendship is, oh my gosh, my friend is like texting me about blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you know what? That's just who they are. And you let it go, right? You pick your battles on what you're going to pick on. Um, and you understand their perspective. Oh, uh, exactly. You pick your battles. And I feel yes. like some autistic people will literally just die in every single hill. Pick like every battle. Every pick single hill. Every and, battle. and I hear that. And I'll see that online. They'll complain about stuff. This one comes back to the soft thing. They'll mm-hmm. complain about things, like little things. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like, really? Like, just deal, deal with it like a human adult. Because these are like adults. I understand if, like, a 17-year-old says this. Mm-hmm. But, like, these people in their 20s, in their yeah. 30s, deal with it like an adult. Unless it's, like, egregious. Like, it's 
destroys your sensory issues or mm-hmm. it's like a massive like spoon drain, then I get mm-hmm. it. But with something mm-hmm. that's just kind of annoying, there are tons of things that are just kind of annoying. Yes. I have a friend that sends me these. Um, it's a great friend. Um, they just have a different perspective on science. Um, they just happen to be a doctor. So I guess that's where they're coming from. And they Oh, God. Me- when you said different perspective on science, I was like, like, do you mean like they don't believe in it? Because there's a lot of people who say they have a different perspective no, on no, science no. running around who just straight yeah. up so, just don't believe it exists. That was me not communicating effectively. They have a different perspective because they're always looking at it from a scientific perspective as a physician, right? And so they send me all of these articles about autism and medical stuff. And, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to like make a big deal out of this because they are just trying to connect with me right on something they know is important to me. They're doing their thing and I don't really make a big deal out of these articles. And sometimes I comment, sometimes I don't, but I just don't pick that battle. Um, But that's what friends do. You accept your friends. However, I do have a quick question um, or not a quick question. I have a question in terms of Initially, when we started, you were making the joke about, you know, the communication is with memes and (laughs) once a year. Um, Speaking in terms of in today's world, majority of people communicate via text message, right? Like if you code call someone, they're like, what the hell? Like somebody's calling me and I I didn't think I know they were calling me, right? Like all of us are kind of like, why is the phone ringing? So text messaging and email are kind of like the way people communicate these days. When it comes to neurodivergent folks, specifically autistic individuals who are communicating via text message or messaging or social media messaging, which I will say what I've noticed is my autistic friends that have my phone number will not text me, but they will message me on Facebook. And I'm thinking, why don't you just message me on the phone? But okay, apparently we just communicate on social media now. Yeah, that's that's everybody. Yes. Like so, you, don't, you don't send a text unless to a family member, like someone you're in a relationship with, uh-huh. or you're over the age of forty. Oh, is that what the rule is? Yeah, that's that's pretty much oh. it. Yeah, that's the long and short of it. Okay. So my question is, in terms of the communicating via texting, messaging, however it is, the written word. Is there a pattern, a nuance, a preference for autistic individuals in terms of the expectation of a response? Uh, so, could, could you rephrase that? Yes. So if an autistic individual sends a message to someone, is the expectation that we are supposed to respond immediately or is the expectation that we can respond when we are available? Oh, I think it depends on the person. I know I keep saying that, but it really does depend on the person. So mm-hmm. I understand there are certain people who, like you mentioned earlier, are just not going to respond right away. Mm-hmm. It's like sending a text to them is like sending a letter. You I'm understand like, oh, yes. you might get a response in yep. three to seven business days. Yes. Gotcha. So I don't send them anything important. Or, or, or if it is really important, I'll, I'll, I'll hit up their husband because the husband I know is more likely to respond in a timely manner. So if it's like really important where I need an answer in less than three to seven business days, like I have a couple friends who are like that. Um, a big issue is like my aunt is like that. And that that's an issue because we work together to care give for my uncle. So there's a lot of times where I kind of need answers right away. <laughs> and she's very sporadic with answering her text. So that is an issue. But mm-hmm. that's more of a thing because of my uncle and all of that. Yeah. Um, in terms of just like like friends, like you understand some people respond some right away, some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe some autistic people might, especially if they don't get that dynamic or you just started uh, talking to that person. Mm-hmm. So you don't know they have a tendency of just not replying right away. That obviously that takes you a little bit to realize like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a pattern yes. versus, oh, it just took them a while this one time. So I, I guess it depends on the individual. I would say something that's jarring for me is how, how 
understanding how different people will respond to messages. So mm-hmm. like one of my pet peeves, I have a lot of friends do this is I prefer one just block of text if you're gonna answer, if you're gonna answer a question, like an actual like paragraph. And mm-hmm. there are people, we all know this person, who will send something that could be sent in one text and they'll break it into five. So you just get back to back to back to back to back to back messages. And each message has like one line on it. And it's like you really could have combined this whole thing. And yes. like they'll send so so they'll send it and you and it's like, so today I'm going to the little dot, I mean they're typing, to the <gasps> store, the little dot. To no. pick up some, the little we all know people like that. Pick up some the little dot. You're like, Jesus Christ, just write it all and send it to me. So I don't have to stare at my phone for 30 whole seconds for no reason. Yes. So yes. that th- that is something that annoys me. For example, um, I had this one friend who I be- I haven't talked to them in a very long time. They're not really a friend mm-hmm. anymore. But uh, I hope that they finally got diagnosed because they were clearly autistic. And they would did do something that annoyed all of us, that mm-hmm. everyone that knew this person. And because we didn't know she was autistic at the time. You would ask her even the most simplest question. Uh, what do you want from McDonald's? Like, I'm going to McDonald's. You want anything? And she would send you back no bullshit. A, like, three, a, like, five-paragraph essay. Remember those five-paragraph essays you had to write in school? There was never a quick oh. answer of, just get me some chicken nuggets. It would be this long, it's like, well, as you know, one of the things I like is chicken nuggets, but I'm also <laughs> a fan of the McFlurries, and if you feel whichever one you want to get, I'm okay with that, but there's also the, like, there's this whole long explanation, something simple. And for the longest time, we thought she was doing this to troll us. Yeah. Because it was so annoying. It took us a long time to realize, oh, this is just, then we finally asked her, and she says, oh, I just want to make sure that you understand, like, there isn't a miscommunication. And we thought, we once again, we thought she was trolling us, because, like, we, we all read English. Like, it's not like none of us can read or anything. Just answer the question. And this would be on I mean everything. Yeah. And the only time you get a short answer is if she was pissed off. That is funny. And because I'm me and I have this wonderful way of just pissing women off regularly, this happened oh. quite frequently. So that's how I figured it out. Because she was pissed at me quite frequently for various things, most of which were my fault. So if she was angry, then you got the one word message. Gotcha. <laughs> like the, then you got concise messages if she was angry at me. <laughs> oh my gosh. So before we run out of time, um, this has been so great because I love um, picking your brain per se. What would be your advice for non-autistic individuals who are developing, nurturing, fostering a friendship with an autistic adult? Like these are adults, of course, we're talking about when the autistic person is um, semi-stalking. So for example, like, hey, are you available today? And you're working so you don't respond. And then two seconds later, hey, did you get this text message? And you're like, okay. And then five minutes later, they message you on social media. I sent you a text message. Now, I'm not gonna say there are not people who are not autistic that do this, but for, for me, I think autistic people tend to do this. Yes. 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 So for, as a non-autistic person, my thinking is, okay, I should be patient. I should not hold it against them. But then I'm like, shoot, do I have to like tolerate it just because they're autistic? Like, like, can I set my own boundaries? So what is your advice? Because you don't want to be like, ugh. And then you're like, well, they do it because they're autistic. But then it's like, so should autistic adults be able to just do that? And we have to tolerate it just because they're autistic and we're not. Or do we say something? What do we do in those circumstances? Because I don't know. I mean, I'm not like, this is a serious question. I know I'm laughing, but it's like, I know we, 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 we get the seriousness of it. We do when. It's almost like you don't want to be rude to someone in a wheelchair, even though they're being an ass, but you feel like, <laughs> oh, but they're in a wheelchair. Can I be rude to them? I mean, they are being an ass. So it's kind of like, like people with disabilities shouldn't just be able to be annoying just because they're autistic, but how do you have that conversation or what do you do, Torin? 
That's why I love it when autistic folks are just straight up. Just tell me you don't want me to greet you. I'm fine. I love the way my students just tell me straight up. Like, please, Miss Stacy, don't do that. I'm like, okay, won't do that anymore. You'd be surprised. A lot of people don't, though. So a lot of times, like, and this is just, I'm going to answer your question, but I just want to mm-hmm. touch on this real quick. A lot of times, as we get older, we're taught not to say stuff like that because most people don't like it. They say, how was your day? And you say, can you not ask me that because it's a yeah. waste of time? They yes. get mad by that. So, yes. And eventually, you have to learn these present pleasantries. Eventually, you do them so much that it just becomes instinct and you just do them even though they're annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is one thing. I'm not the best person to access. And the reason I'm not is to go back to what I said earlier is this is one of the reasons autistic people annoy me and I generally don't don't hang out with them because I've had to learn not to do that. Everything you just said, because people would tell me that's annoying. You're bothering yeah. me. Uh, you're stalking me. You're creepy. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> like things like once you've heard that enough, you learn to stop doing stuff like that. So I'm firmly in the camp of hard knocks where if I can learn how not to do that by eating shit, I always talk about that on the podcast. If I've had to eat shit and learn how to not do those things, mm-hmm. someone who's and I have I don't have I have patience with someone who's young, but if someone's like my age and they still mm-hmm. do that, it's like that's and I know this is not true, but just in my mind, it's like life hasn't kicked you in the nuts enough. Yeah. Like how have you made it to my I'm 31. How how are you about my age and you still do those things mm-hmm. and no one's told you the F off? Like they've told me over and over and over and over and over again. So mm-hmm. I have no patience for that. If I'm being honest, I just, I'll block that person. I've done that. Well, I'll just, I won't even respond. I'll just block, 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 delete their numbers, block their number, everything. I'm mm-hmm. not dealing with that. I have zero patience with that. If you're an adult and you're older than like, I don't know, 21, 25, let's say 25. Mm-hmm. I don't care like how autistic you are. It is, unless you have like a severe learning disability where you like can't process information stuff, it is on you to figure out how to communicate with normal people. Mm-hmm. And I know this is not good advice. Why prefaces, I'm not the best person to ask this, but <laughs> if I can figure it out, and if you met me as a kid, once again, I read my IEP twice on this mm-hmm. podcast, you met me as a kid and saw how weird I was, you'd understand like how much work I had to put in to be passable. Mm-hmm. So just to just not immediately annoy everybody. Yeah. And I still do, by the way. Like it, it, it's still I still have to I, I I generally am as I get older, I pick and choose what social situations I want to be in. Gotcha. Because I have to mask so heavily mm-hmm. because it annoys the hell out of people. Gotcha. I know most people just aren't gonna have the patience. They're just not, mm-hmm. even though they say they do, they're just not. Yeah. I just choose pick and choose situations where I, where I'll be social. So I can pick and choose where I'm gonna mask and where I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the job of every autistic person to mm-hmm. be able to put on that mask at least sometimes, mm-hmm. and to be able to learn where to pick and choose. And once mm-hmm. again, I cut slack to people who are younger. But if you've been mm-hmm. alive 25 years or more, you should have at least some skill. Like all of my friends, most of my close friends, my closest friends are all on the spectrum because we we've all been friends since high school. Yeah, And we've all had to do this. And we've all had to learn how to at least have passing social skills around mm-hmm. all, around non-autistic people. Mm-hmm. And we've all had to do it by trial and error. Yeah, My two best friends had to do it. Plus, they're both in long-term relationships with non-autistic people where they've had to learn how to navigate that over the course of, I think they've both been with their with their partners for like a decade. Wow. One of them maybe a little bit less. One of them I know is more, but uh, mm-hmm. a long time, and they've had to learn that. So they've had that dynamic on top of the friendships dynamic. So, yeah, I, I would say don't be a dick about it if if mm-hmm. you have an autistic person doing this. But at the same time, this is gonna sound really bad. I personally wouldn't invest that much emotional energy in that person. Because if someone is over the age of about 25 or so, that's not a hard number, and they still are communicating like that, it mm-hmm. shows me they don't invest a lot of their personal energy into relationships. That's because good. if they did, they would know not to do things like that. Mm-hmm. They don't invest in self-improvement. They don't invest in that two-way street. They expect mm-hmm. you to accommodate, but they either will not or cannot. 
So either way, you will be in this. You might be in a situation where you are constantly having to adapt for them, and they are unable or unwilling to reciprocate. That's how I see it. If you're dealing with someone who's younger than that, that's a different story because you need this is all done through trial and error. You need a certain yes. amount of life experience to be able to do this. So mm-hmm. like someone's like 16 years old, like what can you do? They they yeah. haven't even been talking for that long. Like 16 yeah. year olds, that, that's have you ever listened to a 16 year old? They sound like idiots in general, not just autistic in general. One of the wives, they haven't really I been talking that long. Like, like they're still talking. getting, I think Joe Rogan has a joke where he's like, they're still getting the hang of this whole speech thing. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I love how you know what I'm referring to. Yeah, They're still getting funny. the hang of this whole speech thing. So yep. I don't blame it when like a 16 year old does that, but if you're 30 and, yeah. and you can't do that, like it's harsh it sounds, I'm I'm automatically suspicious of the people because mm-hmm. like you haven't put in the work that me yeah. and all of my friends have put in to mm-hmm. be able to be passable, to mm-hmm. make sure that we can have stable relationships where the other person isn't having to put all the work into us because that's what we don't want we don't want a situation where we're the one the other person has to that's something i've noticed on uh, a lot of the 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 online autistic community yes they suspect the other person to put in all the work into this and it's like that's not how it works and i have some theories which i won't voice on this podcast but Mm -hmm. i do have some theories on why that is the case Mm -hmm. no no no. i i totally and i think that Um, I appreciate that, Torn. I think you really gave uh, a great, insightful explanation to um, the question I have, because it can sort of be like, sometimes you feel like you have to, um, for lack of a better term, tolerate someone's inappropriate social behavior. And we're talking about adults. Remember, we're not talking about children. And we're not talking about just social skills and people that you don't know. We are talking about friendships between adults that are autistic and whether they're friends with someone autistic or not autistic. I'm talking to the listeners in terms of there is a give and take. You can't just be the taker um, and expect to have a friendship that is a a lasting relationship. Um, So thank you. Exactly. And the last thing I'll add to that is the friend I mentioned, the really long long tech the reason one of the reasons i'm not friends with her anymore is she had a series of personality traits that like were clearly issues where she would go through different groups of friends roughly every three to six months she'd have a few that would sort of just stick around like one or two but generally every six months because she was actually pretty social Mm -hmm. but they would get annoyed with her and she would just never fix her issues. And eventually yeah. I got annoyed at that too. There's a lot more to the story, but that's that's a short, short. I would get annoyed at that too. For example, one of her things is she's a pathological liar. Mm-hmm. She lied about she lied about things that were completely unnecessary to lie yeah. about. Yeah. Because it was a yeah. self-defense mechanism. Because she had mm-hmm. her own issues of that course. she was dealing of with. And I would point that out, which that's another thing. I'm I guess it's like my autism superpower, or the hell that is. I'm using quotes <laughs> here. I'm mm-hmm. very perspective, very perceptive. perceptive so yeah. oftentimes I will notice things about people they don't notice about themselves, which does mm-hmm. not go over well usually. So mm-hmm. one of the things I would tell her is like, and I wasn't the only one, is like, you're a pathological liar. Everyone told her that. I told her it's clearly a self-defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd understood she was on the spectrum back then a little mm-hmm. bit more so I, I'd be able to offer more, but this is like five, six years ago. Back then we didn't know women could get autism. So... Um, <laughs> The, the 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 issue was she just wouldn't fix herself. Yeah, yeah. She wouldn't work, even though these things were clearly an issue. The pathological lying, more than the text, the block text stuff, but like mm-hmm. the pathological lying, for example, was yeah. clearly the, an issue. Yeah. Um, the fact she she had serious things. The fact she would just disappear. She would just go mm-hmm. ghost with no explanation, which is something autistic people will do when they are overwhelmed. By the gotcha. way. And you know, will do it, but you have to be able to explain that or people aren't going exactly. to understand it. They're exactly. just going to be like, why haven't you text me? And then suddenly start talking to them again. Things yeah. like that. And she never worked to improve those things or to be able to communicate those issues. Even when they were pointed out, it wasn't like we didn't know. Like I pointed yeah. all the stuff I'm like, this is, you can't do this stuff. Like this is what's upsetting people. Yeah. And there's just no, no willingness to change. And as a result, they would just go through friends like 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 yeah. Kleenex. They would they would go through different because they were pretty social until they got to know her and they're like, oh, I don't like this shit. Yeah. And you know, I think Torn, you make a really valid point in terms of in the adult stage of our life, it's not like you 
making changes is working on yourself so that you can work with others, right? It's not about, oh, well, you know, I'm autistic, so I could just get to be who I am and I don't have to make any adjustments in growth, right? Well, that's not the case. It's just like you just said, it's not that they are doing these little nuances is that they're not taking the time to see how it impacts others so that, and, and saying, okay, what I need to maybe make a change in this. Because I think that when you become 25, 26, you should start looking at why am I having trouble like getting a date or why am I having trouble making friends and looking at yourself so that you can, because I, I, I can think of so many people that I'm like, oh, well, we know why. You have <laughs> exactly. Like you have to be able to look I've, in the mirror. Yeah. And there, there is another exception where I can understand it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just think of, if you're someone who's been diagnosed later in life, and when we say later in life, we mean pretty much any time after 16. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that qualifies as like late diagnosis because yes, ideally you're diagnosed as early as possible. Yeah. So these are for people who they they've got to go through childhood and adolescence not knowing they were on the spectrum, but knowing something was different. Those people tend to be less likely, and I understand it because they've been accommodating themselves their entire lives. Yes. Because no one knew that there were differences. They just thought they were weird and that they exactly. were selfish or a whole host of other inaccurate things. Mm -hmm. So I would understand coming from that perspective, especially if you're like 30 and you just got diagnosed and you've been molding yourself to other people your entire lives. Mm -hmm. You're just like, you know what? No, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I'm done doing this. This is a lot of people get diagnosed after having like a mental breakdown in their twenties. Yes. Once they yes. run out, once their ability to function without accommodations runs yeah. out, we talked about that in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. So I can understand that part. And the other part I think it is, is a lot of people who get diagnosed early, like me are told, well, there's you're autistic. There's nothing you can do. And a lot of people internalize that like I do. Now, my yeah. response to that was, I'm going to prove people wrong. I'm going, and I had a whole, I'm going to prove I can overcome autism arts, which I'm pretty ashamed of. It did, the one good benefit is, it did help me to understand myself and how mm -hmm. to be able to, I, I'm trying to find the right words. I don't want to say mold, but to sort of make myself more appealing, for lack of a better word to a what? general audience, make myself less less abrasive, less uh, intolerable, more palatable, for lack of a better word. Well, I think it I think it's a matter of when we are adults and and you know, I feel like as human beings, we are constantly working on ourselves. Well, you should be constantly working on yourself. I mean, you shouldn't be the same person at 65 that you were at 40. I mean, come on now. I'm not saying you have to be a different person. I'm saying. <laughs> so some people are. I know they are. We all know those people and we all know why they're in the situations they're in. It's because, oh, well, I mean, you haven't, you know, and I will, I will not go into it. I will quickly say, cause I know we're running short on time. I mean, we're running um, up on time, but in the stalker show that I mentioned, the guy did say you know, apparently, you know, I was trying contacting her and it was unwanted, but I didn't know it was unwanted. But then even when my friends told me, stop doing that, I didn't listen. And I wish I would have listened because now I'm in jail. So he was a person that did not have either support, maturity, whatever, to look at people are telling me I need to do something different and I'm not choosing to do something different. And of course he's paying the harsh consequence of he's in jail um, because he was a stalker, <laughs> like stalker, stalker level. I mean, I, I do have stalking tendencies and I'm a pretty good stalker. Um, I try to keep it below the legal limit. <laughs> There's like a certain threshold. Well, because you moved to Mexico, that threshold might be significantly higher now. I don't know what their laws are, but um, I will say I was definitely one of those people who just didn't listen to good advice. Uh, I think I think this issue, like especially like dudes, I assume this was a guy on the, yes, on, yes, I tell you, with like dudes, especially in their twenties, like yeah. we're just not trying to hear it. But yeah. just, that's not an autistic thing. It's just a general yeah, yeah, you're right. dude thing. We're, right. we're not trying to hear it. Like you could tell us something. I can't tell you how many times, it's not stalking related, but how many times in my 20s I've had my friends explain to me that like said female that I was interested in was actually going to be very bad for my physical and mental health. These were objectively correct statements yes. and I ignored them. 
constantly. <laughs> there you go. Entirely. Okay. Despite all the evidence, I would ignore these. That's yes. not the only example. Um, my first head injury was because I went down a hill on a bike I shouldn't have gone down that my friend warned me multiple times not to go down. And I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, I'll be fine. So I think that's also like a, and that, that's something that can play into this too. It's uh, certain people, especially dudes, when you get, there's this weird, and we'll talk about this at some point because we don't have time today, but there's this weird mixture of like what happens when you add autism to testosterone. It's like those, you know, those like little like capsules you that kids have and you dump in the water and it turns into a dinosaur. It's like, it's what happens when you drop autism into like just testosterone mass. Yeah. You get a complete cluster. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. Torin, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I know we didn't know, apparently there was some confusion in the beginning of what we were going to talk about, but it has been a very good discussion. And thank you so much for always being honest and sharing your stories from your 20s. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. And Stacey, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism. Yeah.